We are now on uh, actually uh, the second chilek, which is the second section of the Ramchal and Derech Hashem, and we are in now uh, Perak Hamishi, which is the uh, fifth Perak. And uh, what he's going to talk about in this Perak chapter is how, basically, he's going to talk about God's supervision of the world. There are certain different aspects of that supervision, you know, um, in terms of uh, uh, what, what does God uh, supervise? What's it based on, his supervision? And also, when God decides to act, what does he do? How does he act, you see? Uh, so those are the two ideas. Uh, that God supervises or what we can call actually God surveils the universe which means that he's always looking over constantly he's always looking over in terms of what's happening what's occurring to the entire creation because God never diverts his attention it's not like he takes vacation you know and leaves it up to some he appoints some uh, designated uh, you know, uh, under under secretary, you know, and so on. You know, so there's always a 24/7 uh, perspective look and uh, you know uh, examination of the entire creation. It's important to know because uh, uh, that always happens. The uh, second thing which is always very important is we don't realize how single-minded God is in terms of what He wants. There's, there's uh, never a let-up in terms of that God says, well, you know, who cares really what's going on? I'll let my guard down, so to speak. God is interested in only one thing, ultimately. And it never ceases. And what is that? What he's always interested in is what's called the tikkun of the Bria. Can you, uh, thank you. He's always interested in the tikkun of the Bria, which means the rectification of the creation. He never ceases from that. And everything he does in some way reflects that goal and that goal is a 24 7 mindset never stops you see so we're not looking here and in any way at a vacation some type of cessation of that you know uh, agenda that agenda is always there always 24 7 and that's exactly the way uh which causes really when you think about it uh the acts of God, you see. So in a certain sense, what he's o God is always, in a certain sense, he creates, then he maintains or sustains the creation. That's the second thing. And then after that, God is always, uh, he, uh, he gives everybody the energy and the ability to act based on free will, you see. And then he's always evaluating the behavior. Never stops. You know, there's always, you can want to call it a judgment, 
maybe an evaluation is a better term, uh, but he's always, he's always determining what exactly is the significance of what I just observed. That never stops. And therefore, uh, there's always a judgment, some type of an evaluation. And based on that eva evaluation, God will decide what to do based on the direction uh, in terms of the tikkun, the rectification of the universe. It never stops. It's almost, you can actually consider it, it's an absolute law that what God does. Uh, so that's important to keep in mind, you know, that uh, God is always watching and looking, supervising, surveilling creation. Always with that in mind, you see. So that's a very important idea, that there is never a cessation to that uh, providence, to that supervision. Never. You know. Uh, so, the question is, in what sense um, does he do that? Now, what's important to know is this, and this in many ways forms the basis of the whole concept of Hashgokha, or a supervision or direction of the creation itself. You know, God knows everything, literally. It's hard to understand what that means, you know. But what do I mean by everything, you know? Imagine that God knows the position of every grain on the planet Earth. Do you know how many grains of sand there are on planet Earth? There's a lot, right? Yet He knows the existence and the aspect of every grain on the entire planet which is astounding you know and he's aware of it what's called 24 7 always aware but and that's just the grains of sand you know he's also aware of everything all the people right what they do all their thoughts everything every fact you know but what's also interesting the answer of how many atoms are there in the universe so not only is he aware of every grain of sand, every person, and so on, but he's also aware of every atom in the universe, where the electrons are at any given instant in time. You see, now we're talking about information that borders almost on infinity. You know, it's, it's astounding. It's astounding how God can even keep that in his mind. Forget about how I know this, you know, you know. I mean, we go crazy if we got to remember a shopping list, you know, right? You got a shopping list, you go out of your mind, go shopping with 15 items, you go out of your crazy, you got to go to this all, that all, you know. We can't even keep 15 items, right? In our mind, we got to have a whole list, you know, and, and so on, you know. Yet God has the knowledge of where every single electron is in the atom, of that particular atom. He knows it all. So obviously we're dealing with a being that has a complete understanding and comprehension of all existence. Okay, so he's not ignorant of anything. That's called omniscient. He's omniscient, means he knows all. 
you see. And therefore, now what's interesting is not only he knows all at the present, he knows everything that was, is, and will be. Everything. Long before anything ever happens. In other words, when he brought everything into creation, right, into existence, right, he knew everything that would ever come out of this. Every thought, every idea, this is what he knew. There's no such thing that God was restricted to time. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> God does not exist in time that he should know what was, is, and what will be. Now, we don't understand what that means because we exist in time. You know, what is time, if you think about that? You know, time is what's called duration of, of existence. Somehow existence durates. I don't know if that's a verb, but it durates in the sense that there's a duration of things, existence itself. So they're what was, they're what is now, and what will be. But time is the flow of this duration of existence, you see. <clears throat> and God does not exist in time, therefore, it's not that he's, therefore, everything is present to him. There's no time to him. So we don't know what that means. Why is there basically time? Because time allows for a separation of events. You see? In other words, man, God, God wants man to uh, create his own ilm haba. So obviously, there's got to be a, a delay in events where he does something now, and then let's say at the end of his existence, whatever, then he gets either the future world or he doesn't get the future world, you see? So that clearly is a delay in what's called events. Well, that's time, you see? That's the passage of time. Um, so therefore, God knows everything, whether it be past, present, or future, you see? <clears throat> And like I said, everything is known to him, every aspect. In other words, whatever is, he knows. That's the rule. Whatever is, he knows. Now, we can ask ourselves, why is this so? Well, how is it so? You know? But if you think about it, <clears throat> oh, what makes logic and sense <clears throat> is this. Because <clears throat> if God creates everything, right, and he has to maintain the existence well, guess what? That means whatever exists has to be maintained or sustained. Who's the one who's sustaining it? God. He has to provide the existence of something to remain. You see? If he didn't know about everything, it wouldn't make a difference because it wouldn't exist. Because if he doesn't know about it, then he's not providing the existence of that. So obviously it doesn't exist. Therefore, everything is known to him because everything has to have that input where he says, be, be, you see? So if everything has to have that input, including an electron running around a nucleus of an atom, right? Because that also needs God input. Well, then he must know about that electron running around the atom, you see? So the key, a key feature is that God is existence, and we all, or everything, 
and everything emanates from him which means that God has to constantly input existence to everything because if not where would it get its existence from you see therefore God obviously knows about everything for that simple reason you see <clears throat> so therefore uh, everything is known to God what is also interesting is something else for instance you know like how does God know anything we, don't, we know that he knows everything but how does he know and the answer is because nothing exists outside of God really everything emerges from God but in the end even after it emerges from God right it's still God and, but we don't understand how, you see. Nothing really exists outside of him, you see. And therefore, uh, we really were all identical in a certain sense. We are part of God, you see. So if that's the case, when we don't understand how that is, as it says, you know, everything is really part of God because everything derives its existence from God and emerges from his being. So therefore, obviously, if everything emerges from his being, then God doesn't know something because he sees it. It's not that God has senses where he can see. God knows himself, and therefore he knows everything. God really, it, everything that is, is nothing more than self-knowledge. You see? That's really what it is. That's why he knows everything. In other words, how does he know that we're in this room and I'm giving a shear. So most people think, well, he sees us, you know, from some invisible spot, some invisible place. But the answer is God doesn't know us because he's looking at us, because he's listening to the shear. I hope he is, right? And I hope he's okay with it, right? Uh, but that's not how God knows about what's going on here. He knows it because he is us, or we is he however you want to put it, right? God knows himself, and therefore he knows us. It's really all about self-knowledge, you see. And that's how he knows everything that is. These are very important ideas, you see. So therefore, you can't fool God because you are really part of him, you see. And therefore, how would he not know about you, you see? That's how God, in a certain sense, knows everything. Because it's all identical to Him. The only problem is we have no idea of how we are separate. We do not understand how we are separate from Him if we, in fact, emerge from Him. And what's interesting is that even after the emergence, we're not really separate. You know? These are mysteries of which we cannot know and ultimately we cannot comprehend. You know? <clears throat> Um, for instance, where it says in, in, the, in the Novi, Shanisi, and I have never changed. That, that, that statement's incomprehensible. What do you mean you never changed? There's you before the creation, right? And then there's you after the creation. So you changed. There's something you didn't do before, and there's something that you did now. That's a change. You know what I'm saying? He changed in terms of his act. You know what I'm saying? So then the question is, how is that possible? You know, I mean, God talks to, let's say, uh, Avram Avinu, right? We have in this week's Pasha, the Bansham is talking to Avram Avinu, right? But what do you mean? 
God says, I never changed. means I never really had a conversation with Avram. That's what it means. Because there's God before the conversation, and there's God during the conversation, and there's God after the conversation. Right? That's clearly a behavioral change. So we could say, what do you mean? You changed your behavior. Right? But when the Bershom says, I need that means, no, 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 it's an illusion. Nothing happened at all. How do we explain how do we understand that? We can't. It's beyond comprehension. Because to know the answer to that is to know who God is. To be to understand his reality. We have absolutely no inkling of his reality. Now I'm just giving you ideas, you know. It's funny, you know, we say that God is omnipresent. You know, it means God, fill, God fills all space. Yes? But the pr- interesting thing about it is that God, right, doesn't occupy space. You see? Doesn't occupy spe- space. And therefore, how could he fill space? He doesn't occupy it. God is, n- is not material, means he has no real substance. There's no substance at all. He has no, he doesn't exist in time. He doesn't exist in space. You see? But then the question is, if he doesn't exist in space, how does he occupy it all? We don't know. In other words, the type of being that God is, right, does not add up to our rules at all. He's a being that is outside the system, not part of it, yet he operates within the system by talking to people, I mean, God's interacting 24-7 for all the thousands of years of this Bria. Therefore, the bottom line is that God knows everything that was, is, will be. You see, that's a very important premise. You see. However, what's also important is that God interacts with us in time. We don't know how he does that. In other words, if you exist beyond time, where you have no time, uh, then how do you interact with beings that exist in time? What does that mean? You know, how do you, how do you compare the two? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Unknown. Uh, it, it's in, uh, they have a fancy English word for it. Uh, that God is transcendent, of all things, yet he is imminent. It's called imminent. Yet he is in all things, right? Because he's within the time frame of our world. Talks to people, judges people, everything, you know. He's com- it's almost like he's always there with us, so we would assume that he's always in time. Uh, and we do not understand. How can you transcend everything and be ultimately or intimately involved with everything? We don't know. So, these are important what's called considerations when you think about God and what He does. You see? Very important idea. Well, now that we, uh, now that I've left you with all the information, you know, that is just inconceivable, incomprehensible, you know, we now become to understand that actually God supervises this world. He looks around and he sees everything. Now, what's important to know is God does not act based on 
who he is at all. You see? Because why does God have to judge us when he already knows what we're going to do? So what's this operation called judgment? He already knows everything, right? That has no difference when it was, when it is, when it will be. It's irrelevant, you know? I, it would be interesting that if imagine that God knows what the future is down to the last nanosecond, you know. So it would be interesting if He would judge us based on what He knows, but we haven't done it yet. You see, so that itself is incomprehensible. You know, <clears throat> He can actually, by His foreknowledge, judge everything that we will do. Well, the interesting thing about it is that He could have judged everything. At the instant of creation, he'd have to go through. He'd have to go through creation. Well, I know you're going to sin, you know. So let me judge you now. Whack, or whatever he would do, right? I know you're going to do a mitzvah, right? Whenever that is, you know. In uh, in uh, 2019, I know you're going to give tzedakah to some ani. Yes, okay. And this is at the beginning of creation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to award you now. What do you mean now? I never did it. But it does make a difference. I know you're going to do it. And his knowledge is as if it was done. You see, we don't know how to deal with this. You know what I'm saying? We, we can't, you know, because a guy can say, what are you going through the whole process of Elam of the future world? You might as well give it to me now. I, you didn't do anything yet. What's the difference? But you know I'm going to do it. And, and, and God's knowledge of what will be already is. So we can't comprehend that. <clears throat> What he knows already is or was, you know. So I can hear somebody saying in the great day of judgment, what do you mean? You knew I was going to get Oedem Haba, so why did you give it to you then? Why do I have to struggle for this? You know, but then the question is, how could, if you don't struggle, how could God know that it will be? You know, you can get all these kind of conundrums. <laughs> Go figure out what's going on. It just shows you how impossible it is to deal with the Rabbanu Shalom based on his true nature. So, therefore, we have to understand, you know, as far as we're concerned, we have to say, okay, the Bersham is involved with us, he knows because he's got all these, uh, you know, these uh, monitors checking our behavior, you know, the video cameras, right? God got video cameras on everybody, he's checking us out all the time, but he really exists in our time, he's with us, he's past, present, and future, he just doesn't age, looks good every day, what can you say, right? God looks young. Uh, energetic, looks great every day because he never ages, that's all. But he's got all these video cameras, you know, checking us out and, you know, all these infrared cameras, and, you know, and so on and so forth. That's how we have to perceive God in that sense. Or, because, but really, uh, oh, like I said, on the level of existence, we have no idea what in the world's going on. And that's going to become much, much more obvious as time goes on. Because we're going to learn that God judges people with courts. And in the courts, we're going to see there are angels. And they're judging us. You see? And God has testimony. He's going to have some angels testifying to what we did. As we will see, you know, it's a real court of law. So, of course, the, the question is, what in the world is going on? What do you need it for? You know, they're not telling you anything you don't know, and so on, you know. Uh, but, you know, it, we, we don't really understand why God wants this whole setup. But that's what he employs. You see, as we will see. So, this is sort of like an introduction to the whole concept of hajgocho, providence or supervision. You know, how does it work and what does it really mean? 
So therefore, what I'm saying, therefore, which is very important, is that the Barsham, if he does decree something, whatever, then he does it without time frame. In other words, the decree will happen now and not before or later. But wait a minute, to you there's no time. Yet we have to ignore and disregard the way God is in, in and of himself and how he interacts with the entire creation. It's a very important, very important difference. So that's what he did. He creates a system which exists in time in which he will be part of the system. Okay. So how does it work? So uh, we know that we had before, a, while, a long time ago, uh, that there are different types of beings. Okay? Um, and the different types of dimensions or universes. You know, I mentioned there's the universe or the beings of what's called the spheres. Spheres are those emanations which God created, which are the initial emanations. Then there are angels, malachim. Then there are, and, uh, and the spheres or the malachim are spiritual entities of which we have no concept, right? And um, then the Anishamas, those are entities which are destined to go into a human body, whereas angels and certainly the divine emanations called the spheres are not. And then, of course, besides that, you also have the physical universe and, and so on. You know, many, many different types of beings and so on. So, <clears throat> the way God runs the universe, which I spoke, spoke about, you know, Everything has a counterpart. What is a counterpart? In other words, everything that exists physically has a spiritual counterpart that really is that physical object or thing, but it's the root or the, the, uh, uh, the beginning of that physical thing. And all of these things, everything in creation has that counterpart. So you have the physical entity, whatever it is, you have its spiritual root, which really is its counterpart. It's an exact um, configuration of whatever it represents. And that, whatever the object is, ultimately emanates from that spiritual counterpart. Now assigned to each physical thing, and therefore to the counterpart, is a malach. Is an angel. Okay. That means everything in creation has some type of malach that is directing that spiritual counterpart. And those now, uh, and therefore, and he's got, this malach has what's called the order sheet. He's got instructions. It's an instruction sheet, you see. And the malach follows that instruction sheet to the letter precisely. In fact, the precision is mathematical. You see, and therefore, <coughs> since he can manipulate the spiritual counterpart of the, of the object, right, then that spiritual counterpart, uh, the way he configures that, automatically will reflect upon the actual physical object itself, which is the entire universe, really, you know. 
And like I say, the Malach will do it, and it's a a whole system of order. God orders it, and He tells them the exact instructions, and that's exactly what the Malach does. Okay, the list of instructions is called nature. It is a specific list of how uh, to uh, get, how to behave physical objects. Now, the existence of the object is not from the Malach. The existence of that object is from the spheres. You see, that's what gives rise to the existence, both of the spiritual counterpart and also the object that emanates from that spiritual counterpart. You see? So that's what gives existence to everything. But what runs the show, so to speak, are the Malachim. They are the ones that maneuver, operate everything that exists. And they follow their instruction sheet. And like I said, their instruction sheet is called nature. It's a set of laws, right, which science tries to discover, of how things work. Uh, You see, now, science does not know why it works that way. For instance, okay, Let's say there's a a, 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 a a protein that has a certain shape, and there's a and the law is that a protein, which is a chemical that has a certain shape, if it connects to a cell, whatever, right? You know, it will do something to that cell. Why? I mean, a person can say, I understand what it does. I can measure the quantities. I can measure the protein how it approaches, when it approaches, and so on. But why does this configuration of the protein, let's say, achieve that particular task or that particular result or effect? Unknown. We don't know the why of anything. The most we can discover is the what. What happens? And then connect it to something, right, that seemingly is the reason or the deterministic, is the determinant. Yeah, but in what way, or how does this determine what it does and what operation it achieves? Unknown. Science can never answer why. You know, they can determine the cause based on what's called a relationship. You know, as every time you see A, A will always produce, produce B. Yeah, but why does this in A produce this in B? Unknown. You see? And the answer in this, what the Ramchal is saying, Kabbalistically, is because the reason why A always produces B is because the Malach, that's his instructions. He's the one that makes A do B. You see? Now, is there something intrinsic in A doing B? No. Those are the instructions of the Malach that A will always do B. And the Malach interacts with the spiritual configuration of that physical object and make it happen. You see? It's just a matter of following instructions. And that's consistent. You see? The Malach will never deviate from his instruction sheet. You see? At all. The only time that God will... There's only two ways a Malach can deviate from that instruction sheet. One is what's called a miracle. 
where God decrees for whatever reason and it's always connected to the ultimate tikkun akloli, which is the ultimate rectification, where God will say, well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to make a miracle now. Which means that you now must deviate from your instruction sheet. You see? But so what? There's no why in the instruction sheet why A has to do B. You see? It could have meant that A would not do B, do C. But the Malach's instruction is that A will always do B. So therefore, there's no difficulty in changing the instruction sheet. Now we call it a miracle, right? Because whenever we observe A, it always does B. That becomes nature. But there's nothing inherent in A that does B, except in the instruction sheet, you see? So a miracle is identical to any other behavior. The problem is, or what differentiates them, is the miracle never happens. It's always A doing B. It's always the instruction sheet. You see? So if A does B, then we call that nature. The physical laws of the universe. You see? But if God decides, He can decree, of course, right? That A, I don't want you to do that. A will not do B. It will do C. But again, it's not because it's not possible. It just, what makes A do B all the time is the instruction sheet of the Malach. So therefore, what's the big deal? If you are able to tell the Malach not to do B, guess what? He won't do B. He'll do C. You see? And that's what a Ness is. A Ness operates the exact, a miracle, operates the exact same way as nature. No difference. Except one is continuous, and the other happens rarely, once in a while, you know? And of course, there are many miracles you know, that have occurred, and so on, you know? I mean, they take Kriya Siamsov, when the sea split, the spilling of the Red Sea, right? By Egypt, right? Excuse me, how in the waters, the wo how in the world the waters stand up and become a whole bunch of different walls? The Medrash says that you can grow fruit, fruit came out of them so the Jewish people could eat on their way through the Red Sea. It, it was like, you know, it, it was a complete abandonment of nature. Yeah. What? It was an incredible miracle. Yeah, how can 318 men against four kingdoms? Well, yeah, it's, it was a, by the way, it was a world war. We're not talking here about some local riffraff making uh, some commotion here, right? We're talking about a world war. It was like half the planet against the other half of the planet, you know? So he went with 318 people, and that was it. But, you know, he took the soil. That's what Avram did. He took soil, and he just threw it. And all the, so all the soil became arrows, you know? Talk about innovation in military, uh, what do you call it, uh, your hardware. It's incredible. And of course, the beauty of it is all you had to take the soil, you know, and just throw it. You didn't even have to aim it. Each one, it was like, it was called smart arrows, you know? They all know exactly where to go and who to kill. And that was it, you know? It's the whole thing is Ness. It's unheard of, right? And of course, 318 is Gematria Eliezer. So all he did was him and Eliezer took on half the planet. I mean, it's impossible, you know? Uh, but again, what's the big deal? You see, the Malach decided that if you take the soil, it'll turn into an arrow. He said, you know, it's a, and, and it did, and he killed everybody, you know? Don't no big deal. says that he was Semachanisim by bringing Eliezer. If he didn't have Eliezer, then it would be an open ace. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the fact that there was so one, one other guy there yeah. somehow alleviated the problem. It's, 
No, it's, it's it, the, anyway. the punishment of Gullus because he had that lack of bitachon that he brought Elias with him. Uh, well, whatever. Anyway, so uh, so basically that's what a miracle is. A miracle is merely a deviation of the instruction sheet of the Malach. It's a very important idea, and that's how it works. So that's a system that God uses. The, the question we can ask, which is we can ask many times, why, why does God need Malachim for? Him do it himself. What do you got? It's no problem for the Muslim to do what he has to do. But <clears throat> in many ways, that's unknown. The Muslim does not want to come across what's called openly, blatantly, and exposed. The Muslim hides behind everything. And a Malach, who is an agent of God, is a concealment factor. God is able to, what's called a cloaking device, He's able to hide who and what he is and so on and he has what's called agents or representatives that do his bidding Except you see the exodus says i took you out it, well yeah yeah well that yeah in a certain sense that's right but anyway um so this is therefore the whole concept of uh, the hashgacha that the barsham runs the world through malachim that's what they are for you know, like I said, the existence of an object is because of the spheres, the divine emanations that create and sustain, you see. And, but the actual operation of everything is from the Malachim itself. And the Rosham really runs the world that way, through the Malachim. Now, what he does, they are, no, they are also from the spheres, yeah. Everything is from the spheres, correct. That's right. So they are created and so on, but their role in creation, Malochim, the angels, is to operate everything, you see. But it's even interesting that it's not like God says, or, or you know, there's a Malach. No, no. He gives the order like a Malach. The Malach doesn't see God. Why does he know what to do? Because all of a sudden, in his mind, the Malach's mind, right? All of a sudden, he hears a command in the mind. It just arises in his mind, you know, and so on. And what arises, exactly what to do, right? Precisely what to do. And he is given, you know, the exact energy to do it. Like, it's not that he has to eat breakfast to get it done. You know, he doesn't have to take supplements for this. The energy arises at the same time as the idea, the knowledge. And... The, and, and, and therefore the actions can take place so what the Barashim does is he doesn't command there are many classes of Malachim he commands what's called Malachim which are very close to him much higher in, the, in, in, in Madrega in level and that Malach commands another Malach which commands another Malach you see, it's like a whole a chain of command here and ultimately the lowest guy he's the guy in charge of the physical object he does the thing. So it's interesting that even in terms of his agents that conceal God, there's a whole chain of command. You see, that's how it works. So what we begin to realize is that, wait a minute, the Russian doesn't need any of this, you see? But obviously the whole thing is a, is a device to conceal the presence of the, the Rabban Islam. You see, he doesn't want to expose who he is, his awesome being, and so on. 
So it's done with a whole series of malachim, one after the other, each one being instructed, finally gets down to the bottom, and that malach does what it has to do. Is yeah. The, is the koach, is the energy also handed down, or is that direct from Akashvara? Everything is from the Mosham. Not from, direct. Not direct, yeah. It do, do, the, do the energies necessary come through the Ishtashalos? Or do or or is you said you said the command goes through. No, the the malach above that, right? Gets the energy and passes it along. No, he tells the, the malach above that directs and instructs the malach below. But the the uh, so that's the idea. But the energy is from the Rambam, you know. Uh, in any case, so this is the way the Rambam runs the world. You see. Um, and that is what he will uh, he will do. <clears throat> so what we see is that existence, in many ways, is a step program. It has steps. You see, where A will cause B, B will cause C, D, and so on. You see, it's not an instant. God does not relate seemingly with the physical universe or even with the spiritual universe. He does not relate with it in a way where in any way you can experience him. It's all agents that instruct agents that instruct agents. Of course, all this happens, obviously, instantaneously and so on. And this is how it works. So that's an important distinction between what is a ness, a miracle, and what is natural or nature. They're really both the same. It all depends on what the instruction sheets say. Obviously, we can ask, well, why are these the natural laws? Why is there gravity? You know what I'm saying? Why is, uh, or, you know, wh- why, wh- how do bacteria thrive? Why? You know, and how, do, uh, how does food work to give energy and whatever? Why are there cells, you know? All of this has profound understanding and all of it is necessary for the what's called the tikkun haklali to be achieved which is the ultimate rectification to be achieved and we don't know why like i once pointed out you know there are three hundred thousand species of beetles if you remember that statement you know yeah like seven thousand species of ants not seven thousand ants seven thousand different types of ants you know, it's, you know, some guy says, yeah, they're all crawling my backyard, right? You know, we don't know why. Like, what you mean, you mean if you had 6,999 species, wouldn't work? No, it wouldn't work, you see? Why does a tiger look the way it does? It's a beautiful animal, you know what I'm saying? It's a magnificent beast and so on, you know? We don't know why, you know? A- and so on, we don't know almost 99.99% of what's out there, we don't know. We don't even know the concept of ecology, that the whole world must rest on everything else. There's no such thing as a thing which individually can survive. Everything depends on everything else in a way which is almost infinite. The intricacies involved of the relationships is beyond belief. You know, and there's a whole field of ecology that is trying to figure out, you know, and, uh, you know, and so on. If you, if you, well, if you allow this species to not to exist, then all of a sudden you find other things won't exist and so on. You know, we're just trying to figure it all out, you know, but it's an incredible, complex, intricate design. 
And all of it is to allow the tikkun haklali to occur, the, what's called the rectification to occur. You see, so we, we really have no idea. Uh, and once I told you about this system, you know, what's important to know is that's the concept of what magic is. Magic. Why, it's called white magic, okay? And what that is, is that what the Mushroom also gave is powers in divine names. There are different shamus, okay? That if you pronounce them in the right way and so on, then you can actually direct the Malach that is directing whatever physical object he's assigned to. You see, the Mushroom gave the power of that Shem, right? To actually instruct or instruct the Malach to deviate from his assignment, you see? And therefore what that Malach can do, right? He does what you asked him to, you see? Which is a change of nature. So if you want to levitate this cup, for instance, right? You guys want to see it done? No. Anyway, imagine you, Mechavan, you, you utter a Shem, a divine name, right? And it directs the Malach who's making sure that this cup will not fly off somewhere, right? It's stuck to the table, right? Uh, all of a sudden, the cup levitates. You see? So the question is, wait a minute. Naturally, it can't do that. So how's that happening? And the answer is because you went, went around it. In other words, here's, here's the story, right? You can get this cup to move one of two ways. Either you can pick it up, and that's natural, right? Or you can meditate on the divine name, and, that cu and therefore that will now instruct the malach that keeps this cup planted on the table. He will now levitate or raise the cup in defiance of gravity. That's white magic. And there's a whole system of this stuff. Seamus now, they're written and so on and so forth. You want some people call it, you know, some people call it Kabbalistic magic. It's really Kabbalistic and so on, you know, uh, and, and so on. And uh, uh, it's not Kishuf. You so see? You want to do that every Yes. Yeah. Not and magic. Not, well, magic. Well, yeah, I'll explain it. Yeah. So, and when you find, for instance, there's a Shem, whatever that is, or a series of Shemes, right, that can impart life to inanimate object. See, which is astounding. Like the Goylem, the famous, you know, whatever, you know, if, uh, if the Maral made a Goylem, whatever, and so on, right? He was, he put into his mouth, whatever, a Shem, and it animated the, the Goylem. You know what I'm saying? You know? Uh, it's very interesting. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish which people are animated by Seamus and which because they're really truly dead and uh, which people know what they're doing. You know, they're, they're living, like I said, that. But in... Uh, um, well, well yeah. Really be, yeah, yeah. They well, think for themselves. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you mean AI, artificial intelligence and so on, you know. But the main idea is that this exists. The Bosham created uh, the ability to change the instruction sheet of a malach and that is called white magic however what's interesting is that there's a thing called black magic what's that black magic is when you also use shamus or different vehicles and so on right but what it does what it does is it changes the instruction sheet of the malach by asking uh beings that are tome that are uh, what he called evil and so on, that they should influence the instruction sheets, you see. So in essence, you also, it always starts with the Malach 
deviating from his instruction sheet. You see? But the way it works is that you're not bringing down uh, what it calls... You see, what you really do is when you say the Shem, the, the, the divine name or whatever, what that does, it, it brings out a force, an energy from God himself, from the spheres, right? And that force appears to the Malach and tells him, change. But the energy or the, the, uh, the uh, directive, so to speak, comes from Kiddusha, comes from holiness, you see? So that's one thing, you know? Uh, and we find many people in the Gemara did that, you know? A lot of famous stories, but one of them was where they, you know, they, uh, they, they used to create a calf every Arab Shabbos, you know what I'm saying? You know, talk about be beating the inflation, right? You know, they used to uh, make a calf, and how they do it? Because they knew the Shem that would direct, right, the energy or the force that could create life, and the Malach had to do it, so they would animate some type of uh, uh, being, and they ate it. You know what I'm saying? Talk about getting a talk about talk about wait talk about getting a spiritual high. You know what I'm saying? When they ate the calf. You know, I don't think it was a normal experience. But anyway, you know. But if you employ the energy of the, the beings of uh, evil, like the Sot, whatever, and you, they produce the energy, you know, which of course ultimately comes from God, but they are producing the energy that they have to direct the Malach, right? Angel. Uh, to change the instruction sheet, then what you are doing is you are tapping into the side of evil in order to accomplish magic. That's called black magic. And that's very bad because by using, using or utilizing the forces of evil, you become attached to them. And they have a claim over you, which is not obviously not very healthy. And, uh, and so on. And therefore... Uh, you know, it's bad news, like I said, you know. How do you know which uh, angels, white or black, you're accessing? Well, that, names? Uh, that's, that's all part of the Chochmah. <coughs> that's all part of the wisdom. You know, you have to know, you know, who you're accessing, how to access them, you know, what the conditions are, and when to stop. You know what I'm saying? You can't, it's, a, it's nothing to play around with, obviously. You, These are very powerful the, forces. You're accessing the Tatran. The what? When you sing Mazel Tov to somebody, there's a Malach, a Tatron, who has an exact ledger of Mazel, which will outweigh something good instead of something bad. Yeah. So, without going into the details and so on, I'm just. street, I spoke, you don't need those Malachim. No, no. Well, there's always a Malach that does it. The question is how to direct him and so on. So, you can do it one of two ways. Anyway, so this is the result of the fact that there's an instruction sheet, right, that always is able to, the Malach reads, and he can deviate from that. You see, and they, and they, and they know how to do that, you know. And that's how miracles occur throughout the entire creation, uh, and, and so on, you know. But the main idea is that this is a basic operation, uh, uh, operational system that the Bansham employs, by the whole concept of uh, the uh, counter spiritual counterpart, then you have the concept of malachim, then the concept of the spheres, and so on. But in the end, you see, in the end, ultimately, the Bersham is able to conceal himself. We don't see him, nobody knows who he is, where he is, 
They just know there he is. It arises in their consciousness, if you want to use that as an example, you see. And that's basically how, uh, how the, the hashpo, or the hashgocha itself, you see. <clears throat> um, yeah. Now what's important also to know, what Ramchal says, you know, is that a malach cannot deviate. It's not like he can say, well, today I'm going to change younger. I'm going to change things. You know, he can't do that. In other words, he, 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 the monarch himself is uh, chained, so to speak, to his post. He can never deviate from what he is supposed to do. And that's his tachlis. That's his purpose. What about you see? a human malach? Like, kind of, he went to be the prime minister. Well, th- well if a person becomes a, a, a malach, which is possible, Hanoich became a malach, Whatever. Um, he have the Bechira? Yes, there are, the, the higher class of Malachim do have free will. And the, the, what they do is it's variable. You see, there are certain Malachim that are much way higher on the, on the, the ladder, whatever, Gavriel, Michal, and so on and so forth, that uh, their behavior is incredibly flexible. You know, they can be assigned different tasks. You see, the lower class of Malachim that's it. That's your assignment, and that's what they have to do. You see. <clears throat> and anyway, <clears throat> so the first way I mentioned is how a malach can change, right? Is through uh, th- there's a zero, a decree from God that they have to change their behavior. And that's called a miracle. You see. Then there are other things because if you think about it, there are malachim for everything. For instance, there's a malach that is in charge of trees. You know, each individual tree or whatever, right, uh, is instructed to grow. But what happens if the Barsham is now sending a hurricane? Who's going to win? See, so the Malach that wants the tree to stay put, that's his job, right? And then all of a sudden, the Barsham commands the Malach of the wind, right, to uproot the tree. So all of a sudden, that Malach is pushed aside, you see. So the Barsham, so what we begin to realize is that the entire world is malachim being pitted against other malachim. So all of a sudden, they have to change what they're doing. Because the decree now is that the tornado has to now come and violate nature, you see. But they themselves operate in a certain nature, you see. So in many ways, a, the job of a malach can be suspended or superseded, you see, by another malach who now has what's called the, the, uh, the uh, uh, command to do this. Are they taken by surprise, these malachs, when the head tornado hits? They have, uh, they you mean, are they warned? They warned, they have foreknowledge? Uh, they're going to be in suspe- suspended? I'm sure that they are warned with ample time to get ready to brace themselves. <laughs> right? like a big game of rock, break, scissors. Of who? You know rock, break, scissors? You know. <laughs> no. Not aware of the game, you know. But obviously, it's a, because changes are always occurring, it's an infinite uh, system. It's an infinite system. Go figure out, you know, and so on, you know. But obviously, it's extremely, it's run with incredible precision. Don't think because there's just so many things to do, you know. It's run with, obviously, incredible precision. 
how this works and when it works and so on, you know. Mm. But uh, the, 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 obviously one malach can be nullified in terms of what it does in order to allow another malach to come through, you know, you see that especially with the weather. But you really see it in everything, you know, and so on. And, be, and therefore, the, uh, that, that's how it works, you know, in terms of, um, um, like I say, but all of it is decreed basically in order to do the tikkun and so on, you know. Anyway, yeah. You talked about a chain of command descending. Yes. How about going the other way? When you pray, are you talking directly to God, or you have to go to a chain of command? Well, ultimately, when you pray, you are talking directly to God. Yeah. I, I mentioned a, a long time ago when I was talking about this topic that man who has free will right can initiate the movement many nature will determine that the physical laws of of the universe and so on that they must happen but a person has free will you see all animals are controlled from the malach to them no animal has free will you see so an animal will follow its nature that nature is determined by the malach that controls it and th th that's what animal does. <coughs> it can be stopped, remember? And when Daniel, Daniel, right, was thrown into a pit of hungry lions, whatever, and they just sat there and looked at him. Now that's impossible. We know that because they had been starved for whatever period of time. And believe me, the last place you want to be in is a, a pit with hungry lions and looking at you for dinner. You know what I'm saying? But they didn't do anything. And of course, uh, you know, uh, whatever, Nebuchadnezzar or whatever, right? So what's going on here, you know? So he took one guy and threw him in, and of course he was devoured immediately, whatever, you know? Uh, that was a nest. It's a nest nigla. You, you see what I'm saying? So that's a miracle that occurs, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so on, you know? But um, where's I going with this? Oh, yeah, okay. But, so therefore, uh, animals are completely in the control of the, uh, the malachim that control them. However, man, that's called isarusa delayelo. The movement begins from on high. You see, that's, that, that's true of all beings that have no free will. However, if you have free will, then there's a movement from below called isarusa delatato means since you have free will you can actually determine what you want to do you see and then your spiritual entity right configures itself to you and the Ma'amalach allows you to determine what happens to you there's no instruction sheet you see or I should say the instruction sheet says that this if individual wants to do something backs off so only a human being that has free will can do that where the movement from below is initiated from the individual himself not the malach and then the malach has to back off you see and allow you to do whatever you want you see and that's the concept of free will <coughs> you really can initiate the entire movement that's what free will does and therefore the instruction sheet is held uh, it's on hold so to speak you know so it's really working both ways.
both ways, you see? So you are controlled, A, and B, you are independent of that control. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's what happens in that case, you know? And so movement from above and movement from below and so on, you know? Was his malach? Everyone has their own malach? Yes. One malach, right? Yes. No, that's different. That, that's a malach, you know, that isn't instructing you in any or controlling you. That's a malach, right, that oversees you many ways and tries to defend you. Because that's, that's another discussion which we're going to talk about is the courts in heaven, what's called the heavenly tribunals. <coughs> you see, so each malach, each person has a malach assigned to him, you see, and that uh, malach is assigned to for your well-being. What was that? A defense attorney. Yeah, it's a, it's an assignment. Uh, and, but it's interesting. Not only each a person has a malach, each nation collectively has one malach. You see, or or uh, whatever they are, you know, and so on. And they defend the nation. And we've seen you've seen the Gemara many times. You know, like when Egypt was you know about to go under with the splitting of the Red Sea. So the Malach of Egypt, all of a sudden was an enormous court case, and the Malach of Mitzrayim defended Egypt, and so on. Of course, he was overruled, thank God. He didn't go to Harvard Law. No, he didn't go to Harvard Law. I'll tell you something, <laughs> he didn't have to go to Harvard Law, he knew exactly what to say. The problem was, is that, uh, you know, the, the, the decree was that, nope, the Jews <coughs> got to be saved because they're going to receive the Torah, and as a result of that, they will initiate the whole tikkun, you know. Um, no, a malach does not have to go to law school. At all. You know. Um, he's a lawyer, and not only that, he practices license without a, with, he practices law without a license. You know, so that's, that's really interesting and so on, you know. But they know intuitively, you know, not that they know, you have to understand. It's not that they know what to say the knowledge of what to say is placed in their mind by God. You see? It's not that they're brilliant individuals, malachim, and they know exactly how to defend. No. They don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. It's all, everything is from God. But what the Rebbe wants is that they should defend their nation. And it's, it's amazing. The Rebbe acts as if, you know, he's the king and all that. But like, you know, you testify and then you testify you know, as if Dubashim, he knows everything that's going to be, you know. So he acts as if he see, doesn't know, or actually as if there's leeway what to do, you see. So you got all these malachim testifying and arguing the case and so on, you know. So it's not that they know, they are given the knowledge that they have to have to defend their client. It's called their client, you know. The only thing that's interesting about this, you know, it's called pro bono work. <coughs> they don't charge. Malachim don't charge to defend you. Isn't that amazing? You know, uh, not to charge, uh, it's astounding, you know. <coughs> and they're much better at it than the lawyers, believe me, you know, and, and so on, you know. But um, this is what they do. That's a whole host of Malachim. That's called your muzzle. You see, you know. But in any case... So how, how are we supposed to approach this if 
the truth is that behind the scenes, the deepest levels, Hashem is really orchestrating everything. Yeah, it's like puppets almost. But, so Except the puppets don't know that they're puppets. But when you have, but the truth is, so obviously Hashem is not just making a charade. So even though it, in essence it really is, but at the same time, it is a, re, it is a reality. So how are we supposed to kind of live in the reality of the court and just have in the back of our minds that it's all Hashem? Or yeah. what is our focus supposed to be? Our focus is that, um, like I say, the Hester means, the concealment means that we run the show. We can do whatever we want, you know. But the Amuna is, the understanding and the belief and the faith is that nothing really happens. It's all about God, you see. So really, in the end, it's all about the Barsham. But the way it acts is as if, you know, we have... You know, uh, there's God, and there's Malachim to defend and accuse, and all that kind of information, you know. Um, that's the way it looks, as far as we're concerned. But deep down, we have to understand that there is no other power than God. In fact, there is no information other than what God provides, you know. And it goes on all the time. That's what we have to believe, and so on, you know. If there was so. a car crash, there was a court case set in heaven? Yes. Of course, of course, nothing happens without a court case. Nothing. It's impossible, you know. And taking, take the words to its logical conclusion. When we have our free will and we our thoughts develop and we do action, the chain of command, the thought, <coughs> picking up my keys, walking to my car, every step, my love is the chain of command is taking place every. Every step of the way from my thought, I'm going to go leave the shear, pick up my keys, walk to my car. Is that also a chain of command of Malachima? Well, the Malachima are enabling you to operate. That you're able to walk over and, you know, do whatever you want, you know. But the thought itself, you know, is free will. Nobody puts that thought into your mind. If that, that's not in a scientific way. My mind, my new, my neurons fire. I'm, I'm standing up. Yeah. Okay. You know, my eyes, you know, eyes are functioning. I'm walking around. Yeah. Is every step so deep that malachim are the operation? Like that, every proton, electron. Yeah. The operation that you do is controlled by the malachim, but you have free will that you determine what they will do. That's what free will. <coughs> but it still has to operate. That's the system that God uses to operate. You see, that you initiate the movement through free will. But, the, but then, then the counterpart reflects exactly your movement in heaven. You see, and the malachim have to stand back and allow you to initiate the movement. You know what I'm saying? But the movement itself, in a certain sense, is done through the malach. The person experiences arthritis, he can't move so easy. Same thing. Same thing. The, the thing is, you have to remember, the, 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 that we, the speed of this is, we cannot calculate the speed of this interaction. You know, your interaction with a malach, and his interaction with your spiritual counterpart, you know, we're talking about a speed of na nanoseconds, it's not even nanoseconds, you know. The speed is almost instantaneous. So how does this work, you know? It's the old story. How, how can there be a judgment to heaven you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's instantaneous. 
that the judgment in heaven will happen in an instant in time. Because remember, if it's a judgment in heaven, then there are prosecutors and there are defense attorneys. Yeah, there are witnesses being heard. It takes time. I mean, in America, it takes decades for a case to come into a court, right? So, but in, 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 in Shemayim, a court case will be instant. We don't know how that works, right? <coughs> you see? It's got to be instant. You know, it can't be, you know, take uh, years and years to go through the outside system. Can you say it's outside of time? No, well, everything is in time. During our time? It's within our time, but... But it's... But it's... Whatever it is, we don't know how it... How, remember, there are trillions of court cases happening at any given second. Why? Because everybody is being judged and supervised. Everybody, the whole human race. There are, what, 7.7 .7 billion people already, right? And they are being evaluated and judged every day. You know what I'm saying? In terms of what's going to happen to them. You know, you know how many courts you have to have to judge 7.7 .7 billion people every day? Wait. To be judged them every single day? You know how many courts and how long it takes? And You know, obviously it's a system that happens with speed of light you know instantly everybody knows exactly what to do everybody's testified and so on we have no comprehension in terms of uh, the uh, speed of what goes on and so on but in some way it has to match our rate of time has to match it obviously you know sure we don't know we can only describe this in a very superficial way and what really happens up there is it's beyond our... Look, there are hundreds of billions of malachim up there. You know what I'm saying? And they're all doing something. You know, so how do you comprehend a kingdom that are hundreds of billions of malachim and agents, each thing assigned to every human, every molecule, it's beyond comprehension. Yet the Rosham is on top of it all. He's on top of everything. You see? And, and so on, you know. Uh, so therefore, all of this is basically just a description, right, of uh, something that we really can describe it superficially, but we have no idea, um, you know, what, what all this is, and so on, you know. Near-death experiences, and everybody says that they're in front in natural court, in front of three judges from whoever okay. was from that door. So yeah. there's an actual court case. It's not there is. Oh yeah, so, sure. Uh, are the deceased relatives there to defend you? Is that the are the works? deceased relatives there? To defend you? No, I don't think so. I don't think so, no. You, <clears throat> which we're going to talk about, you know, you don't realize something, but every act you do, whether it be thinking, speaking, or doing, right, creates a malach of that uh, particular action. You actually create, that's what it says, uh, anybody in Pirkei Avos, you do a mitzvah, you create a malach that uh, is a uh, senegar, testifies. Now that malach is what? How do you create a being? You actually create a being from your act, which is astounding. So therefore, when you look at that being, he's an exact reflection of what you created. That's why, you know, what do you do? You know, you feel you're finished. That, that, that witness is the perfect witness. It's not a witness that heard what you did or saw what you did. That witness is what you did. 
Right? So how do you beat that? You don't. You see? There's no, you know, well, you know, I saw it, I'm not sure about it, or that whistleblower hearsay, which is, which is absolutely insane, how hearsay can even, how hearsay can be committed, uh, what do you call it, uh, considered anything, you know? But that malach is your act, existentially. That kind of witnesses they bring. That's not a bad, uh, you know, way to run a court and so on, you know? But in any case, so this is fundamentally what the idea is and how it works, you know. And um, look, uh, I will continue next week, you know. Um, what's, what's By the way, 9 o'clock, you know. Yeah, go ahead. We talked about uh, the white magic is yeah. dangerous. White magic, yes. To be dangerous. What are, the like, what are the parameters of dangerous? What are the parameters? <clears throat> how is it dangerous? It's dangerous in this way because malochim don't like to be shoved aside. They're very sensitive. You see? And essentially what you're doing is saying, stop your job. I mean, that's what he's assigned to. Stop your job and do what I want. Forget about what you're assigned to. You know? They don't like that. You see? So you've angered them, so to speak. And if you don't know what you're doing or you made a mistake or whatever... It's very easy to make a mistake and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, they will come after you. They will now have a new assignment and that's to get you <laughs> and so on. And you don't want that. I want to tell you a story of uh, the Baal Shem Tov was doing something together with somebody else. And uh, all of a sudden, the Baal Shem Tov said to the other person, it was in the middle of the night, he says, oh, uh, we, we, uh, we made the wrong turn. You know, we did something wrong. And they were doing something in Shemayim. And he said, listen, don't shut your eyes. If you go to sleep, we're finished. So they had to stay up the whole night. And like, sh right before dawn, this other guy, you know, he was so tired, he just closed his eyes, you know, for whatever. And, uh, you know, for a minute or two, he was dead. Because obviously, they had provoked the Malach, or whatever they were trying to arouse and alert, made a mistake. And he paid for it with his life. Baal Shem Tov didn't fall asleep, so he survived. You have to be very careful because they get angry. Because they don't want to be uh, disturbed on what their task is. So, you know, you have to know what you're doing exactly. And also, you have to be a great person. You have to have merits. You know, you know who are you to interfere with my job? That's what the thought is, you know. Because yeah, it comes from Hashem. Of course. The assignment comes from the Bershlam. You know, so who are you to, to tell me to do something? You, it happens to be that you know how to do it. You know what to do. But that, that doesn't give you the, the, the merit to do it. So they are extremely particular. That's why you have to be very careful. You know? By the way, there are Svarim I once mentioned that tell you exactly how to do these things. How to, what Seamus to use and what parchment to write it on. Deer parchment, cow parchment, whatever. And uh, it tells you what to do. There are, there are, it's interesting, there are shamus where you could disappear. There are shamus where you can uh, go travel anywhere instantly. There are shamus that you can get cured from any disease. There are all kinds of shamus, you know. And there's farm uh, on that. I tell you what to do. But then there's uh, shamus, for instance, Shailis Chalom. You know, if you know what to do, you know, uh, you can ask a question 
to Malachim, whatever. What's the story up there? You know, when do I win the lottery? <laughs> right? And the Malachim answer you, you will never win the lottery. <laughs> whatever, right? Bad news, you know. Uh, that's called Shadis Chaloyim. Is black magic a lost science, call it? Is what? Black magic. Has that been lost from mankind? Black magic. Ba basically, it has been lost, yeah. The Egyptians knew it. They were good at it, you know. Well, the, the most famous magician was Balaam. Bilaam. Bilaam. Yeah, he had it down to a science, probably. And same thing with Lovin. Lovin was an incredible... Lovin was probably greater than Bilaam in his ability to do magic. They were the same, I think. Bilaam is the Gilgul of Lovin. Yeah, whatever, without going into who's who, you know. Or some, no, it was of the grandson of, uh, of Lovin, whatever. But Lovin was an arch magician of black magic. You know, and then Bilaam probably learned from him and so on, you know. Um, that's why he was a dangerous man. I mean, that's why he said to Yaakov, I can kill all of you. And he said that, he chased Yaakov when Yaakov ran away and so on and so forth, you know. Um, he was very powerful. See, so that the, 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 the Torah brings these people down. It's lost today. Today we can assume it's a lost knowledge. Ba basically, yeah. There's probably still a remnant of it, like there isn't anything. Like even astrology, for instance, right? The Egyptians were very good in astrology. They, you know, but the, the problem, with the, you know, but today most of the knowledge in astrology is confined to the, uh, the newspapers. Yeah, you know, but is there, but there is a certain, it's interesting. Sometimes you read your, remember your astrological sign, and it corresponds. You know what I'm saying? It actually makes a little sense, you know. Uh, so there is a chokhm of astrology, but it's, what? Cannibals in Africa, with the dolls, they speak to dolls. You mean voodoo? Voodoo. Voodoo. Could you something to that? The Haitians? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. It's sticky with the, uh, you know. Human beings have an experience where when they sleep, their physicality is like limited, and their dreams are beyond time and space. You could be all over the place and jump from time periods. Yeah, yeah, of course. Not restricted by time or space, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, okay. in that sense... Uh, well, that's one. There are there are different ways that we can access uh, kedusha. There are different ways. One is Gil Elio, revelation from El Elio. Another one is Shailis Cholam. There are people who know today how to do it. How you can ask a question, and you you ask Malachim, and they will answer you in a dream, right? Uh, that doesn't mean everybody dreams of Malachim. You know, what what about, you know, sane people here, you know, uh, and so on, you know. Uh, but Shedes um, Chacham is one of the ways, you know, of uh, accessing, you know, information outside of the system, as they say, you know. What does that mean? But anyway, Shedes Chacham means to ask a question in a dream. That's what it means. And you get the answer in the dream. No, you don't ask it in a dream, you ask before you go to sleep. But you will get that dream that answers your question. There's Ruach HaKodesh. There are different ways that the Bosham can instruct you about, you know, what's going to happen and so on, you know. The base Yosef request? That's a Magid, yeah. That's another way. Uh, I don't recall, but he certainly had it. He wrote a whole save from him, you know. That's a Magid. Ramchal had a Magid. You know, Magid speaks through your voice. 
and all of a sudden you wound up talking and you're not in control of your voice. It's the mazik, the mazik, it's the magid employing your vocal cords to be able to talk to you. You see? So that, uh, and there are people who have a magid. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's it. Uh, making a request and being answered in a dream. You have Ruch HaKodesh, you have a magid, you have Gili you know, and so on. You know, there are ways that are still available to people today. Not that, you want, not that you want to use it and so on. Sometimes you, know, you don't know which decision, what to decide, so you sleep on it, and then the next day you know which way you that, that, go. That, that's, diff that's because the unconscious mind has been working on it the whole night. See, we don't shut off our minds. Our, our brains are very active even when we sleep, collecting the data that we assemble during the day, all that kind of stuff, you see. And, that was, and many times the unconscious mind is actually thinking about what you uh, thought about, whatever problem, and all of a sudden you wake up and there it is, you, you have the answer. Getting right. out of your own way. Getting out of what? Getting out of your own way. Getting out of your own way, yeah. It's like, hey, you know, go to sleep. We'll tell you. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know what the story is, you know. But uh, that, that's, that's uh, teva. That's nature. That's natural. Is the girl a grower? Yes, that's another. No, yeah, but that's not kedusha. That's segulas. That's gorolas. That's not, I'm talking about accessing kedusha. To ask a malach uh, get, be answered in a dream, or Gil Eliyahu to have the revelation of Eliyahu Novi, Elijah, right? The girl, the girl, and it, it works. It's astounding. Well, okay, you know, he opens uh, a book, and then you go, and then, and then seven, it. whatever the whole process is, you know. That was more hashkacha practice. That was it? Whatever page you turn to in the Tanakh, whatever. Well, you know, well, it's the Torah, and then, then you count every, uh, I forgot how it works, uh, every seventh chapter, every seventh word, whatever it is, but uh, that's called a segula. It's not an access to Kedusha. These things are accesses to actually uh, spiritual beings or spiritual uh, forces and so on. That's a different level 